Aloha, listener. Jeremy Vaney. A little note right up front on this entire season. Uh, and especially this episode, which hasn't begun yet. This is a preamble, right? Like there hasn't even been a little jingle yet, but there will be. Just wait till I stop rambling. Um, I just wanted to let you know that um, this episode is on violence, and I recorded this episode, uh, the next episode, and a third episode on Kundalini energy whenever that falls in the lineup of uh, shows this season prior to the insurrection on the uh, Capitol building. So if you're wondering why uh, in this episode I'm talking about violence and I sound so subdued and I don't mention the insurrection and I take it from a completely different angle um, or even next week when I talk to hypnotist James Hazelrig about QAnon, uh, why it never comes up, that's why. In fact, the James Hazelrig interview was taped many months ago. So, uh, all right. Let's get to our laid-back, subdued episode on violence. Ah, funny because the world's going to crap. Aloha, everybody. Welcome to Season 6 of Our Undoing Radio. I really wanted to get to the season a lot earlier, but uh, unfortunately, life took turns. I ended up uh, relaunching the Experience podcast, uh, which I believe is sort of coming to the end of its second run, and I ended up releasing not one but two books. Uh, the first is called I Am To Tell You This and I Am To Tell You It Is Fiction, and the second, which is a children's picture book, is actually contained in the first, but it was so good. Uh, the artwork from John Randall was so good. I just thought, well, this needs to be its own children's picture book. And that is called The Story of Toe. Um, and I'm not certain. It, well, definitely uh, I am to tell you this and I'm to tell you it is fiction is not. Uh, is not completely compatible with what we're doing here. Um, but the story of Toe is, and I'm, I'm tempted to, I'm thinking about reading it uh, as a YouTube sort of short film and, and putting that on OurUndoing.com, the children's book, um, as a leaping off point for a new section of the website. Um, that would be for members only. Um, although I'm, I'm flirting with the idea of getting rid of membership entirely, so that hangs in the balance. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, decisions, decisions. But uh, we'll see if I even get to it. I don't even know if I'll get to talking about these things in this season because I think we're going to have a pretty packed season. Uh, certainly a diverse season as we're going to start off with um, the violence in us and we're going to sort of finish off, I hope, exploring that in terms of the, the craziness that has become the Trump cult, the QAnon extension of that, the next episode, which is uh, an interview with a hypnotist. So, and I have some other guests coming up, but I think the finale will be a surprise. Although not a surprise if you are a member of OurUndoing.com because uh, you can listen to all of these episodes at once. You're binging them right now as I'm doling them out week by week to 
the rest of the world. All right, let's get into it. Violence is a language. At least it can be used that way. And I mean that in terms of the so-called animal kingdom. I mean, even calling it an animal kingdom is setting it up as a kingdom, which it isn't. It's already a form of violence. We've already separated ourselves and then given that which we've separated ourselves from, like a patriarchal dominance type title. Uh, Weird, right? Weird that we would do that. Um, As I'm talking to you now, uh, it is a few days after Christmas, and uh, there was a bombing in Tennessee. All the details are still fuzzy, but apparently a man, a a white man, drove a Winnebago uh, into a town, and I think it was Nashville, right? Anyway, into a part of the town... Uh, had a warning on a loudspeaker system telling people to evacuate because this thing was going to blow up. Had a countdown clock going with it. Had the song Downtown playing. And I guess he shot a gun, or assuming he's working alone, shot a gun several times to wake people up. It was like 5 in the morning. Um, And then the bomb, so it counted down to... You know, your 15 minutes are up. You better have evacuated. And then like 15 minutes later, the bomb went off. Meaning 15 minutes after the countdown had ended. So a half hour later. Um, All of that is terrorism. And you could argue that the lapse in time between the countdown clock and the bomb going off was to give people a sense of false security where they would come back into their homes and then boom, go off. Um, that's not necessarily the case, but it could certainly be read that way, but it's not being read that way by and large by the media. All of the media coverage, such as it is, it's just now, days later, becoming a story, (laughs) which is odd, right? Christmas Day bombing like this sounds like something out of a Batman comic. Um, it sounds horrifying. And yet, here we are, days later, it's just now becoming a national story, and... Um, they're, of course, not calling it terrorism. In fact, I watched one law enforcement officer say, we won't use the T word. We don't want to call it the T word uh, because it doesn't quite fit that. And another one, you know, of course, white male, older law enforcement agent talking about, or former law enforcement agent, I don't remember which, but talking about how, you know, it's the typical thing that we do in this country when white people attack. It's, let's look into the background. This guy was a loner. This was a one-off. This isn't part of any, maybe he was a uh, 5G conspiracy crackpot, is what they said. Uh, He was certain, and I don't know why, probably because he's white, uh, he was certain that this bomber, um, that we'd find out what his motives are, because surely he would have mailed a letter to the proper authorities. It's just we had to wait until Monday, which is uh, today, actually, when I'm recording this, uh, for it to, for the letter to reach, you know, either the law enforcement or the newspapers or somebody. But surely he would have uh, wanted people to know why he did this and would have mailed it up off to the proper place. And it's just a matter of time before 
<laughs> of course, good luck with the mail because the mail system's completely screwed up since Trump uh, tried to steal the election by screwing up the mail system. So, and some of you hear that and you go, well, wait, I thought the Democrats were stealing the election. No, no. Uh, if If Trump honestly believes the election was stolen, it's because he tried to steal it and somebody went up to him, namely the voting public. I digress. Uh, all of this about this this white bomber guy is to say the thing that, that most of us do know and say at times like this, which is if he were Muslim, this would be a terrorist attack. If he were black, he would be, uh, as I, I heard one commentator say uh, online, he might be considered like a superhuman predator, you know, like like this is how they treat black people that that cops shoot who are unarmed. It's like we couldn't have known he seemed to be preternatural in some way. Wonder what that way could be. So it's just odd, isn't it, that even even in this time where we're supposedly uh at least the supposed liberal left to liberal media, whatever you want to say, uh is supposed to be self-reflecting on black lives matter and how they conduct their own affairs uh, as the media and all that uh, in terms of racial insensitivity or uh, their own unconscious baggage. They're supposed to be looking at that, right? And no, here we are again. I mean, racist to me to the point of like assuming that because he's a white guy, he's going to have what, kindly mailed somebody his reasoning behind this. And like that matters, you know? Um on the same show, Damage Report, I think was the show, uh, the other commentator was talking about how weird it is that people in politics and in Hollywood have to hire expensive PR firms to turn around their bad publicity. But if you're, if you're a white bomber in this country or a white killer of some sort, you get free PR work done by the media themselves. They try to turn you into a sad sack loner. We've got to find out what your motives are. You're not just an anonymous face in a crowd of enemies, right? So these are a bundle of violences that we do to each other. Um, I mean, the whole sense of an enemy in war uh, is ridiculous at this point. Like, if, if what is a terrorist if this is not terrorism? It's whatever the corporations tell the government it is. And then the volunteer army, who many, not all, are there uh, because of their income circumstances, being poor, which is usually related to their race, not always. But certainly the squeeze is, is on if you're poor and you're, well, if you're poor, period, that's first, and then poor and non-white, uh, the squeeze gets tighter and tighter for you to join the army to go, you know, essentially murder other non-white people who are enemies of this country because oil <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and whatever makes them terrorists, what, you know, it's not that these are good people and all of that, It's but it's that we don't care what their background is. We don't care why somebody joins the terrorist group in the Middle East. We just know that they're the bad guys. We don't know. We don't care about their financial circumstances or uh, what, you know, 
I mean, we know these things. We they're in the background somewhere. We know that if we, um, for instance, do a drone strike against a wedding, that some kid, you know, an innocent wedding by accident, and never, never even cop to it, uh, let alone stop doing that. That some kid is bound to grow up angry uh, enough at this country or whatever country to join a militant organization, you know, and be slightly crazy and all of that. I mean, we know what goes into our own madness and it is us through and through. I watched a, uh, a YouTube video of an octopus whacking a fish with one of his, uh, you know, one of his tentacles in the, uh, the headline, the the sort of, you know, clickbait title was uh, something along the lines of like octopus cold cocks fish or whatever, winds up and punches fish. You know, all these descriptives of great violence. And then you watch the video and you realize, no, the octopus is just sort of pushing away a fish. Because in the animal kingdom, again, uh, violence is language. I mean, obviously, there's the you know the so-called violence of like eating and hunting and all of that. But I mean, anyone who has pets knows that animals are physical. Um, when they want you to get away from them, they may shoo you away. <laughs> the claws may come out in a cat, but it's not to kill; it's just to defend or to say enough. I mean, you've got to read the signs. We have wild boars that run around the yard, and they seem friendly enough, but to hear anyone else talk about wild boars, you'd think these are man-eating sharks uh, that, that have somehow grown legs and, and eat shrooms. But I suppose if you were on a pig trail and um, didn't read the signs, didn't pay attention when something was watching you from the woods uh, or growling at you or whatever winking at you, yeah, then it, it speaks up in the language of violence. And animals also speak the language of violence uh, as a form of play, right? They're, they're little ruffians with each other. They wrestle around, just like we wrestle around, which often doubles as an expression of or a lesson of how to uh, take care of yourself, honing your skills in battle, as it were, your defensive skills, at least. So we are of the animals. We are animals, right? And so we come equipped with the language of violence ourselves. But we don't just use it for play. I mean, obviously we do. We put it in movies and, hey, pro wrestling is nothing but violence as ballet, right? Uh, so we do we do use it artistically that way to speak to ourselves to each other to tell stories but we've got this other added thing in us that is actually has become a problem and it's the lord of the flies thing it's easier to probably see in, in terms of lord of the flies which is if you get a group of like middle school kids together and they start learning that they can dominate each other through clobbering each other then they can set up a little society that way they can set up their whole society that way, and then soon, then they've got it systemized. So it's a systemic bunch of clobbering going on. 
And maybe this can follow, you know, sort of a the the male dominance thing, law of the jungle type thing. But it probably doesn't because they know when to stop, right? Like the lions eventually stop fighting and the loser goes off. But with humans, nobody wants to be the loser. No one wants to settle down. No, you know. And the winner doesn't just want to be a winner. The winner wants more and more and more power. So the clobbering uh, each other, the war-like culture that could evolve out of that, if you will, uh, or devolve out of that, is a perpetual, you know, war for war's sake kind of mentality. So this is it, right? This is the point. Violence is a language in the animal world that we pervert into systems. We can't look at an octopus shooing away a fish without describing it in a way that uh, sells it as a kind of out-of-control violence, purposeless. And, you know, people who say they don't want to give to the poor and the needy because why should they have to work for a living and not the poor person? That person doesn't like their work, right? They don't like their life. Otherwise, they would be so absorbed in what they're doing that they wouldn't worry about what the poor person is doing, uh, you know, and they wouldn't be worried about, like, someone getting one over on them. We don't think about it that way, but that is kind of what that is, and that's, at least in this country... Almost half the the country has that type of mentality, which is what capitalism fosters. Capitalism is a form of violence. You're capitalizing on people. You know, capitalism fosters competition, and it fosters self-hatred. We're speaking to ourselves the language of violence with our own systems, and we don't even know it. So... This brings us to the meta problem of trying to do a show like our undoing, which is, um, I mean, everything I just said is a fact, right? But who wants to deal with that? Like, if anyone is listening to this, <laughs> some of you are probably, you know, have turned it off by now because it's just going to be liberal nonsense, right? And I guess when we talk in terms of politics, I guess it does tend to convert into a type of liberalism. But I'm not really even making a judgment here. I'm just I'm just stating what I see. And uh, people don't want to deal with the apparent thing because the apparent thing is them. It's what they've been living since since they've been born, really, or at least since they've had it pounded into them by by parents and society. I mean, when who you are, the deeply ingrained stuff is so unconscious to you. How do we get through that shield to even begin to discuss the unraveling of self that needs to happen? Um, I mean, in other words, like, people love to talk about themselves and a lot of people love to like go to therapy and do the shamanic retreats and meditate and yoga and self-help and self-empowerment and self, 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 anything to advance and enhance the personal self. But 
completely oblivious to the impersonal, to uh, the collective that is directly affecting you, but not in the ways that are even on your radar as someone who wants to do self-help, for instance. Like, do we need to tackle some of those issues which are political in nature, which are about the system? To even get at the self uh, in any meaningful way? Because I know a lot of people who, who work on themselves, but they're still jerks. There are lots of people who are in tune with nature and all that, or at least that's what they claim. But their other mental baggage has brought them to QAnon, right? So even though they claim that they never paid attention to politics, it didn't affect their lives, somehow, through the magic of uh, being home too much because of a pandemic and going online, they got sucked into a bunch of nonsensical answers, a bunch of irrational, demonstrably false answers to, you know, what is uh, oppressing them in this life or who is oppressing them. Um, Cause it can't just be that there's a disease. It's gotta be something bigger. Uh, and they fell for it, even though it's like, it is coming out of, you know, Steve Bannon and right wing think tanks and stuff like this. I mean, QAnon isn't just uh, something that happens in a vacuum. It's not something that happens from a neutral person just trying to pull a prank or something. No, this was evolved in the lab uh, for your consumption. And for some reason it worked. And for some reason these people were pretty confident that it would work. People who sell you this crap know you better than you know yourself. And now you think you know something about the world. You think you've got a secret. You're in. You're just violent. And you don't know what to do with that violence. We keep thinking that if we just have the right knowledge, we can't trust the scientists. Which, to an extent, uh, is true. It's good to be skeptical, for sure, and even cynical. Because everything has been corporatized and all of that. But that doesn't mean that you leap to the ridiculous answer of, like, they're injecting you with nanobots and with this fake vaccine. Right? Like, that's ridiculous. So doesn't mean that you have to completely trust an untested vaccine. <laughs> but, I mean, certainly there is a disease. It is global. The countries of the world are not play-acting a pandemic. They're not all on one script play-acting. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And they're not injecting you with nanobots because you're already controlled. <laughs> you're already monitored. Everybody's looking at you through a camera right now. So don't worry about it. Um, they don't need to get inside you that way. So what is this about? I mean, in one sense, it is about the power, what we believe is the power of knowledge, right? We believe that if we just know who the bad guys are and what they're up to, we'll have one up on them. They can't hurt us if we know about them. Um, but it doesn't actually matter what we know about them. Apparently, you could just, like a Mad Lib, fill in the blank with that and it will suffice as long as it appeals to you good enough. Doesn't matter if it's a real answer or not. You just want to feel empowered. We think we know better, but knowledge doesn't know better. Truth does. 
Knowledge only knows how to regurgitate itself. We can't even come to know things without our own prejudices, our own cultural filters, our own systemic filters, our own violence. We can't know anything without a hint of violence lingering in the background. Because we've never dealt with violence as a natural language that we've perverted through our ability to do that. So it comes up in these other ways. Some of them are obvious. Terror. War, you know. Um, but some of them are like... Uh, there was a BBC news bit about some deep-sea creatures that are just newly discovered by science. And so they do this segment on these sea creatures and how fragile they are. And now that we know that they're there, what can we do to protect them? And you're seeing, you know, these long mechanical arms with cameras and, you know, claws to uproot them, I assume, and whatever. Basically our own pollution down in the deep sea to protect, (laughs) to discover, and then, what, protect these deep sea creatures from what? From us. But we're not really going to protect them from us because we're not going to stop the, the systemic stuff, the systemic comforts, the being able to just throw things away, pollute, chuck them to the ground, chuck them into the sea. We're not going to stop any of that, oil spills and all of that. Um, so we're not going to protect them from us, which is the only thing they need to be protected from. Our very being there and and putting an eye to them and having, quote unquote, discovered them in the first place is the first step toward their demise. So even our scientists with their best intentions of just looking at something and discovering it and then wanting to protect it, you know, it's like a three-year-old holding a bird, crushes it, doesn't know how to hold a bird, doesn't know how to hold an insect, doesn't know how to pet a puppy. They whack things, they crush things, they don't understand their own body mechanics, their own strength even. And that's us, except unlike a child, we're not innocent in this. We're actively repressing to be what we are. Separate, falsely autonomous beings. Living from knowledge and not truth. Calling it truths. My truth, your truth, relativity. So that we can go on as we want to do, because that's the easiest thing to do. And any change is superficial because it is not systemic in the impersonal larger sense. And more at home and within us, any change we do is just moving the personal football, moving from one religion to the next, moving from one self-help style to another, one fad to another. We constantly say that we're, we're searching and that we're learning and that that's what life is about. The journey. It's about the journey, man, not the destination. No, it's about our violence. And we are, as they say, at the tipping point, right? We can't sustain ourselves like this anymore. We're out of balance. We're violent. This is the core of us, and it is the core problem. And it doesn't need to be this way. But to not be this way literally means you can't exist. 
you, the violent entity. That structure of capitalism, of military, of... And it doesn't have to be capitalism. That's just in this country. So you can put whatever dominant political system on there you want. It's just capitalism has eaten the world. But you can't change it. You can't depollute, detoxify, because you are that pollution. You're that toxicity until you aren't. The mind must go, and that is the focus of our undoing radio. And our undoing.com is just showing you this over and over in different ways until something in the body, the brain, the heart, whatever, <laughs> gets it so deeply that this violence, this out-of-whack being in the world, this mind is evaporated by the body. The body stops projecting it. The body stops moving through life through the false autonomy of a knowledge-based self. And in that moment, in that timeless moment, spaceless space, there be truth, if there be anything at all. And that, that and that alone is true peace. 